What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Unfiltered Experience, where we are here having unfiltered conversations designed to move your perspectives, your opportunities, and your confidence forward. We're here every single Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Christopher Rashi, No Excuses Coach, and I am joined by none other than... Scott Goyette. Scott David Goyette. What's going on, brother? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I like Fridays. I like Fridays. Yeah. Finish off the week, see what you accomplished. Chill for the weekend, little Mike Reno, right? Little lover boy working oh, for the weekend. Yeah, working for. I have see you seen him recently? I have not. Is he? He's got like two lover boys now. <laughs> He's got two lover boys. He's like, he could double as Santa Claus. I'm like, damn, dude, you're supposed to be a rock god, not a tummy god. Yeah, but I think that's what happens. Like you rock too much, and you're you're in full, you know, beta. Like you're just constantly just 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 in stress mode because you're partying like crazy. One or two things happen. You either take that and turn it into health, or you become Mike Reno. Yeah. So. Well, I think what happens is they stop doing drugs and they're like, mm. uh-oh. <laughs> like Vince Neil from Motley Crue. I mean, you see him, it's looked like he's got a fucking pumpkin in his stomach. I'm like, dude, does he like now though? I thought he didn't he go on some keto or something or is he's he trying? Who knows? I'm gonna see him in um August 21st. I'm taking Kayla. We're going to see Joan Jet, Poison. You're um, gonna go to that? Jeff Leopard and Molly Crew. Yeah. My oh, dude, kid's I'm the jealous. one who wanted to go. Yes. I'm jealous. I haven't decided if I'm going to go or not. I'm not even sure tickets are still available. I was like, I got to take Jackson and I wasn't. And then I think I probably should. It's so, so this is the thing I was, I looked at it and said, I want to do it, but then I wasn't going to do it. Cause I'm one of these people with concerts that sometimes there's too many people around. I just go, I just bothers me. Yeah. And, um, and she goes, would you like to go see this amazing show? And I'm like, and she knows all the songs. And I'm like, if you want to go, I'm going. So dude, it's going to be fun. Who's your favorite band out of all of them? You know, my favorite song out of all of those songs is photographed by Def Leppard. It just just brings me to a place of a happy time. Um, I love I love rock and roll too, Joan Jett, and yeah. some poison songs are solid, but I'd say, you know, overall probably crew. But um, I don't know. I mean, like they're all so good. There will be a song that's gonna bring you back to a moment when you're a kid and she's gonna be singing it and I'm gonna be feeling it. So it's yeah. kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah, revisiting, revisiting the old days. I saw Poison when they were a Hollywood band, when they used to do the old, you know, putting posters up on the street mm-hmm. poles and shit like that. And uh, definitely seen Motley Crue more than a few times. Saw them with their other lead singer, John Karabi, with my mom. My mom actually loved Karabi with the, wow. I love Motley Crue with a different singer. And Def Leppard, I've seen more than a few times. So yeah, I mean, it, it'd be a great concert. And Joan Jett, I mean, she rocks. Yeah, I mean, when, when Joan Jett is the random opener, that's going to bring you back. I mean, we forget like even like Crimson and Clover and so, some of her second and third songs were pretty solid songs. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Pretty I good. hate myself for loving you. I hate myself. <laughs> boom, boom, you. boom, boom, boom. So, good. Mr. Scott Goyette, what is on your mind tonight? What would you like to discuss here on the Unfiltered Experience? Well, we might have just explained it. Um, So Right now, we're in a space that uh, we can definitely see there's a, a lot of perceived darkness. All the shadows are surfacing. We're starting to look at the things in ourselves that are being shown in the outside world that uh, don't feel good. You know, like, how could this world have starvation? Why is there all this polarity? Why are people arguing? Why division? Why does it seem like everyone's getting sick? Why is there, you know, just all this why? Yeah. And what I'd love to talk about today is how do you find joy? How do you still go find a space of joy in your existence in the midst of all of this? Because we talk about, you know, Buddhism or, you know, a lot of different spiritual spiritualities. It's that, you know, how do you find the light in the darkness? You know, that's the definition of maybe nirvana, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. And 
if I can find peace in the noise, what does that look like? And I'd love to see if we can get to the bottom of this in the, uh, in the show. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the bottom of it. Let's see what we can discover. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Well, let me start with a question. So I saw a post um, from a friend of ours, and I can't believe I just blanked on his name, but he had a good comment. He literally said, what is it in this world that makes you happy? Like very simple, not just joy, but what makes you happy? And he listed out 10 different things that made him happy. And so mm -hmm. I started just going to the simplicity of, you know, laws of, uh, you know, the universe, laws of nature. And one of those things, you know, we talk about what you focus on becomes your reality. So yeah. I think simple enough. What if today everyone who's listening, including you and me, create a list of 10 things that we can point to that we find happiness in? Because then the byproduct is joy. And then we're getting out of the darkness. So. My first question to you, tell me a couple of the things that you like that uh, bring you happiness. I already know one, of course, anything with Jackson. Um, yeah, so my boy, my boy, happiness. You know what? You know what's funny, Scott? When I think about that, when I think about that term happy, I've always like had challenges with like really determining what is happy. Like, you know, I see people that are happy and I sit there and I'm like, man, I want to feel like that because I've never really like, like, like been overwhelmingly happy, like, like really like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. I'm always grateful. And I'm always like, you know, all those different things. But I think in terms of happiness, you know, it's a great question. I know, obviously, first and foremost, my son, Jackson, I mean, you know, I'm happy when I see him light up. I'm happy when I see him figure stuff out. I'm happy when he finds the stupidest things funny. Uh, I'm happy when he farts and says, excuse me, dad, I'm just like, you know, just seeing all these different things. And I think, you know, for me, happiness is being being so much in the moment that everything else doesn't even matter. Like, you know, yes. there's, there's, there's borderline areas where we're still thinking about, you know, the reality and stuff like that. But for me, happiness is like when I get lost in those moments, get lost in the day and then realize, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm a human being here. I'm a spiritual being here, having a human existence and Oh yeah, there's other stuff going on in the world. So, I mean, for me, happiness is, is music. You know, I know that I can go and put a playlist on my Spotify or whatever. And I know within four or five songs, if what, no matter what my mood is, as long as I'm singing, as long as I'm into those songs, I start to get happy. My endorphins change, my body physiology changes. I just feel just better. You know, I'm listening to these songs that, that pick my spirits up, you know, Dobie Gray, uh, give me the beat boys to free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. I mean, I tattooed that on my arm. So my son, music and happiness, I would say. The final component of that honestly is nature is when I'm out in the mountains or I'm at the beach, you know, and I'm just sitting there staring at the wonderment of what is all created around us and, and what that we so often take for granted and what that in some respects that, you know, some of us, you know, in the world today are doing things that are, you know, they're against mother nature and against that longevity. We see it with our, with our water resources. We're seeing it with so many different things in the world. So for me, being out in that nature is just like being happy because we get so caught up in all the other stuff that we think, you know, all these possessions and everything else are going to make us happy. But if you're able to be healthy and in the moment and you're able to have gratitude for all the different things in your life, even your challenges and you're out in nature, for me, that's like a bonus. It's like just being there and being centered. It's one of the best things that I've always gone to. Uh, all my life, I've always gone to the beach. I live here in Southern California. So going to that beach and feeling the ocean waves and seeing people happy and hearing music and all that other stuff, that that's what that's what lights me up. What about you? I love what you just did. So what you just did actually started giving me a good framework of how to maybe look at this. And and I love what we do because it's never pre-planned and then cool uh, stuff comes. You said the word see, hear, feel. You literally went through the senses. Like you were talking, I see people, I'm feeling the water, I hear the sounds. I, yeah. And so maybe that's what the, a great way to do it is is because we come with these senses utilize all those senses so 
music has to be part of this. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, if it's not on your list, find the music that brings you to a place because there's music in everything. There's just rhythm in this universe. So I would definitely say somehow incorporate music. I yes. love the feel. Kinesthetically, what is it that you like to touch? You know, I know my wife goes out in the yard and she's planting and she's touching dirt and she comes in with this big smirk on her face because it just feels good. For me, I like to feel water. I like to feel hot sand on my feet. You know, I, I like to have my feet cut up and bruised hiking barefoot. I love that connection to the world. So um, I would say that's kinesthetic as far as seeing. Same thing with nature or people, just people smiling. So where can I go where there's people smiling and having a good time? Um, for me, the easy place when I don't feel good, and, and it's, it's amazing because these places heal me instantaneously, at least for a moment, the grocery store and the gym. Whoa, the grocery store. Tell me about that one. So here's my thought. Breaking bread is one of the most beautiful things we can do to connect with people, right? So I literally will manifest a future meal in the store. So I'm manifesting a happy moment. So I'll walk into Whole Foods and I'll see ricotta cheese on sale. And I'll be like, we could do crepes for that. Um, oh, maybe I could do a good lasagna or what kind, maybe another pasta bacon. I'll use Beyond Meat for Kayla because she doesn't eat meat. And so I start visualizing an amazing time that I'm going to have with my family or friends or, hey, you know, that's a really good deal for that wine. And I have friends who love that, that vintage. I, I'm going to make sure they come over for this. So I'm literally manifesting with, you know, the elements of the food. So I'm so excited about it. And the gym, it's like you said it so perfectly about being present. You know, yeah. I can go play basketball and all the noise of everything else ends because all the senses are taken the ball, you know, hitting the ground, the kids coming in the gym, you know, you know, the, the smell even of like a bunch of people sweating like I like and I love that dance and I forget the noise around me. So how would you fill in some of those voids, too, you know, with all your senses like, you know, the music's one, the water's one, especially both places. Well, what else? Mm, I would say for me, like the sun on my face now. It's so crazy because like just feeling like I'll go sit in my front yard and play with the dog or Jackson will be playing and I'll just sit there on the ground and I've learned about grounding from you and from some other people and I'll just sit there on the ground and I'll just lean back and I'll feel like the sun on my face and my body and I'll just feel like a connection to source like and that's stuff, stuff I never did before. I just sit there and like bathe in the sun as though it's like cleansing me. It's like rejuvenating me because I know vitamin D obviously has a, has a large majority of um of impact in our in our moods and everything so i noticed that when i didn't go outside and i was staying inside my office all the time that i wasn't getting vitamin d and i started feeling depressed so when i started going outside and sitting in the sun and just absorbing that it just felt great I love just, it. yeah it just felt great but when i think about when i think about this conversation i think about happy i think about you know who on this earth are happy and they never take it for granted and they don't really pay attention to it kids so when I think about kids and I look at Jackson, I see the things that make him happy. Like he's now he's in the uh, sticky strings, st silly, uh, sticky splat stuff. Like he throws it in his sticks and like, he just, he just loves that. He just, and I sit there and I think about my childhood. And I wanted to ask you this question because I know you had a lot of different uh, uh, interests when you were a kid. And I know that you had a challenging childhood as well as I did. What is your, what would you say was one of your first happiest memories? And what as a kid made you happy? Like, what did you, what was your thing that you played with that made you happy? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, it's always been sports for me. Like, cause uh, there's, and, and I think the reason being is I think because, you know, being an only child for, you know, the first 10 years of my life and, you know, we were kind of in a neighborhood that was on a main street. 
a parent, you know, somebody else. So you were kind of secluded to go to the park and connect with other kids was a huge thing for me. Um, that was pretty much, you know, what mattered. So I would say those first times that I was able to go to the park and connect and dance with other kids through any sport. And you could put a ball in front of me. It doesn't matter what sport it was. I'm going to find a way to get good quick because I want to be part of this dance. So and that still obviously still lights me up to this day. So what about you? Um, For me, when I was a kid, cars like that was I was trying to think like what may be the happiest? What could I get totally into was Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars. Me and my buddy down the street, we would sit there and play and we come up with all these different ideas. And the other thing we started doing is we started painting and we would sand them down. His dad was an automobile painter. So we just started sanding them down. We would take the testers paints from our from our models, from our plastic models. And we were like, okay, I'm going to do this one like half black and half red and and a racing stripe. And we started learning how to do uh, using tape to like make pinstripes and stuff like that. But we would just get lost in it. We would just have these elaborate things and and make these roads and these tracks. And, you know, I sit there and I try to get Jackson to play with it. And I'm just reminded how, how keen my imagination was and how we could just sit there for hours on hours and hours and other kids could come and join and leave. And it was just like, we were just building this, this whole world with ourselves and not even knowing it. So the key word there, and, and I love that you brought that word up because I always talk about with youth curiosity and wonderment, you yeah. know, stay curious and take the, those are the things from youth that should never dissipate in adulthood. So curiosity and wonderment, but you said the other key ingredient that keep the imagination yeah. because we, we, we inherently lose that. We're like, well, we have to do this. I have to get a job. I have to pay the bills and the imagination disappears, but that's literally, you know, Neville Goddard actually says imagination is God. And so if we're created in the image of, and God was a creator, his imagination created this, we're constantly creating day to day to day. So why would we do that in childhood and give it away? And, as you were saying the things about the cars, some of the stuff we probably never did talk about until right now, of course, you know, you have different friends. And once I get out of the neighborhood, I want to go see what everybody else is doing. There were kids that would build models and would build little rocket ships, you know, KB toys. I don't know if they had in California. Yeah. Yep. You, you buy the little rockets. So we would do the same things would paint would be like, what if we could shoot this so high? It actually goes to the moon. What should we put in the note on it? You know what I mean? And we're serious. I love, you it. know? Yeah. But like the same thing. And we're like, is there any way to make it more aerodynamically sound? So it would be like, you know, like looking at a book or something, you know, like 10, like, is right. there anything better? Or should we do it on a certain day that's less windy? You know, we're literally listening to things like, you know, it's not going to go the freaking moon, but yeah. you know, you just, you think maybe it will. And so what's wrong with that? Like, what, where do we lose that? And that's, that, that's a great question. Cause I was thinking about that. You know, we had the, we had the belief, we maybe not didn't think it would actually happen, but we had the belief that it was possible. Yeah, and, and think, you didn't I even care if it happens. Yeah. You remember the excitement when you built that car and you're like, I'm going to jump it over the jump and it's going to clear like 400 cars. And you knew it's probably not going to do it. But when it cleared 10, you're like, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Like, like, where do we lose this and how do we bring that back? Because I think that's the key to, to that joy or that happiness. So how do we bring that back right now? Because there's the answer in the darkness. It's dark, but we're kids. And what would we do if we were kids in the darkness? Turn on a flashlight in the tent in our bedroom, you know, do something. So what are we missing right now as adults? That's a great question. Actually, I had a therapist ask me that 
a couple years after my mom passed, it was probably about eight years ago. And she was like, when I was talking to her, she kept saying, I, I don't want to talk to coach Chris. I want to talk to the real Chris. Mm. And I kept saying, I don't understand what you're saying. This is who I am. She was like, no, no, no. And she was trying to figure out who I was behind the identity. Right. And I've talked about my identity on here, you know, being corporate and everything else. I did. I honestly, I didn't understand. I'm like, lady, I'm just talking like me. And she's like, no, I need to talk to the different part of you. And we couldn't figure it out. And it was like, we, we had five sessions all together. And I think on the fourth session, she asked me a question that I'll never forget. She goes, Chris, when did you stop being a kid? And I stopped and I went, oh, okay. I've never been asked that question before. And I thought about it and I thought about it. And I said, well, you know, I was a latchkey kid from pretty early on. My sister left, da, 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 I had chores. I said, when did I stop being a kid? Probably about seven, you know, because shortly after that, we became homeless and everything else. And she goes, what do you do now that's kid-like? What do you do? And I said, oh, I have video games in my office and, you know, da, 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 this was before Jackson. And she goes, do you ever play your video games? And I said, no. And so she goes, here's your assignment. I want you to find three kid-like things to do in the next week and start incorporating those into your daily routine. Because we found out through the conversation that I would feel guilty if I didn't earn the right to be in playtime because, you know, at home it was always, you got to do your choice, then you can play. You got to do your homework and then you can play. You got to do this and then you, so you got to prove that you've earned it and then you get to play. But my problem is I would never go play because I would sit there and say, oh, I got to keep going. So from that, I started doing models again. I started uh, coloring. Uh, I've got my swear book, my swear coloring book behind me. Um, and then also, um, you know, started getting out and just playing in the dirt, you know, outside in the backyard. And then of course with Jackson, now when we ever we go to the park, it's like, I just go in there. I'm like, who does he want right here? Does he want a dad or does he want a five-year-old dad? And I'm like, all right, let's just go play. Let's get in the rocket ships. Let's do this and let's do that. And so I'm finding that as I incorporate more play into my life, I find that in between those moments of play, I have these great ideas that pop into my brain. So I, I love you just actually explained the micro so flawlessly on what happens to the macro, that whole idea that we have to do this before we do this. Yeah, that's that's the work, the workforce. I'm going to do all this work and then I'm going to retire. But we're in this workforce that what if I didn't get out till 65 and then I die of cancer at 68? And it's it's insane because we're sitting here like think of that. Yeah. The, so there's, there's a poem and I and I know I've shared it with you before and it's called um the Master in the Art of Living, and it's by uh, James Mishner. And in a nutshell, what it says is the, the master in the art of living makes little distinction between practice of spirituality, work, and play. Whenever you're doing any of these things, it always looks like the same person. So in other words, you're integrating the play. So even in your spirituality, even in your work, even in your life, there's an integration of play. So you're a playful spirit having this human experience and go check the poem out for those, you know, I wish I had it up. I just thought of it. So, but it's the master in the art of living and it explains that so cleanly. So one of the things that, um, that I think we have failed as a collective by design. So maybe we didn't fail as a collective, maybe as a collective, we're doing exactly as the system has directed, you know, capitalism and, and structure of building out all these amazing things from a technology standpoint the workforce has destroyed us because we don't integrate play. I mean, so my, you know, my daughter, 15 year old daughter, we, we were the other day, we we're at the grocery store and I was a little, not stressed out, but I was in a serious, I wasn't in a playful space because right. we had to get some stuff and go home and I had to grade some stuff. And so I was kind of like giving her my time, but not being fully present. And she's punching me while we're, you know, we're going to like, cause she wants to play. And so I very casually make it like I'm still grumpy, but I'm slowly going, okay, 
you want some of this shit? Uh-huh. And I just clocked her with a checks box, check cereal. She came <laughs> by and she turned. I just went boom. And she's like, what's that for? I go, don't ever mess with your father. You know, meanwhile. <laughs> and so then the whole time she's like punching me and kicking me and like coming out of nowhere and tackling me. And people probably like, what's wrong with them? And it's like, there's only one way to grocery shop, Chris. You've got to hit people with a checks box. There you and go. I needed her to remind me of that. Yeah, you got to wake up to the moments. I mean, that's the thing I think about is when you were talking, one of the words that came to my mind is permission. You know, as kids, we need permission to do this. We need permission to do that. But I think as adults, we lose sight of the fact that we have permission all the time to do those things. But again, it's those self-limiting beliefs that are ingrained in there from the childhood, from the teachers telling us, get your head out of the sky, Scott. Stop dreaming so big, Scott. You got to be realistic, Scott. You know, you got to do what's safe and what's certain, Scott. You got to, you know, all those things that are drilled into our heads. I told my wife not too long ago, we were talking about, you know, we were trying to, to determine, you know, Scott or Jackson's five now. We're like, you know, so what do you think he's going to be? I said, I think he's going to be in the arts. I think it may be in the music or stuff like that, maybe acting, maybe storytelling or something like that. And then she goes, I think he's going to be an engineer. And I said, oh, why? And she goes, we, well, we'll look at the way he does his, his Legos and stuff like that. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And he's very, he's very cerebrally, you know, he's kind of thinking like that, but he's very abstract and I think artsy as well. And I said, I don't care what it is that he wants to do as long as he's happy. I said, because to your point, what you said earlier, Scott, we're sold that bill of goods. Like, oh, you got to do good in school and you go to college and you buy a house and you get a good mortgage and you, and you work your ass off. And then one day you get to retire. And you get to, you know, we're sold this thing like, okay, I just have to work until this point. And then every, then I get done, then I have permission to do whatever I want. When realistically we have it all the time. It's just that we get so convoluted and caught up in the egotistical stuff and the, 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 the validation of the things I got to prove. And if I have more stuff then I'm happier and all those things, what do we say to people to get us to, to really recognize that it's not about the things it's about those moments. And it's about the legacy that we live. And it's about, you know, really being there present with the people that we love the most. You know, that's that's a great question. I want to go to a space because as you were explaining that, one of the things I was visualizing with Jackson or and then I started to go there as a kid myself is we're always showing them, you know, you said you're not doing it, but we as a collective, again, are always showing kids the how. If you do this and you take your vitamins and you work hard or you do this, you'll be healthy. And like we tell them there's a pathway. So we're handing them the how instead of the why. So go to school, eat your breakfast, do this, do that, do that. So you're spoon feeding the how when the why is everything. So, you know, the answer is literally like teaching the kid up front the why and you teach them by listening. Let them tell you the why. Who cares what they're doing? Like like my daughter, you know, she's definitely ADHD. You know, a lot of like you, I, Barb, you know, you know, like and we have to focus. And so last night, maybe within a. 20 minute conversation. Should I get banged? Should I not get banged? Should I keep skating? Should I not? Do you think I should have quit track? Should I, you know, just like, and I'm just like, (laughs) you're 15. No, no, I'm just trying to like stay with her. You know what I mean? But, but my, my point is she has created, she, she understands the, the why she wants to create and she wants to build and she loves to watch people smile and she creates all these things. She's just trying to jump on the vehicles. And so, you know, the bangs is part of, do I fit in this group? You know, the, the skating is part, like she's literally like, like letting the how happen, but it's going so quick. And I think that's what happens is we're going, don't worry about this. Just study. Don't worry about this. Like we're stealing that creation. Yeah. And I think the reason adults do it is just for that reason. I'm very similar to her, but even though I'll say I'm still wild, I've been trained. I've been trained to not be too wild because I'm too much. Right. And so in that too much, even she feels too much. But meanwhile, I'm going, 
Ooh, I see you. I, I, I hear you. I feel you. Oh shit. I am you. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I think that we need to do and be careful with our kids is when they come with just this nonstop boom, 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 is even if you're half present at first, become present and receive it because they're allowing the how to play out in front of them while truly solidifying their why. Mm -hmm. and, and we talk about okay, here. I mean, how are you doing that with, you know, with Jackson? Like, what, what are you asking him? What are you telling him? You know, you know, because you see the creation, you know, Barb sees the the specific structure of how he's putting together his Legos. How are you directing that why so he doesn't get fully sucked into this, the school system that plugs him in and says, do this and then die? That is a great question. And honestly, what I've done, and you might find this interesting, is whatever my initial reaction is to what he's doing, to think about what the opposite of that is, because I, I find my initial reaction is wanting to prepare him, wanting to keep him safe, wanting him to prepare for, you know, people's ridicule or people's, you know, whatever, like, oh, no, no, you have to be this. Oh, no, 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 you're going to have to learn this. And I find that the more I want to teach him and like show him things, the more I'm finding myself just shutting up and letting him be him love it and, and and because we're all told those things and i sit there and i think well i don't want him to get this and i don't want him to get this and i want him to be here and i want him to you know and it's my job as a dad and some days i think like am i not being tough enough on him you know because i've had parents like you know if you don't want to see it at 13 you don't better not want to see it at five but then i think about like all the different things that we're told not to do like i find jackson stop jackson be quiet jackson jackson and i'm like okay he's hearing like 90 percent no to 10 percent yes and I don't want to have that conditioning. So my knee jerk reaction when he's doing something is to ask him like, so what is that? What is that stimulating for you? What is, what is that bringing you? Like we're digging in the dirt. Like, what is this? What does this feel for you? I was like, oh, it just feels good, dad. You know, cause we're not supposed to do it or, you know, it just feels good because you know, it's, it's earth or something like that. It's just the things that he's coming out of his mouth. I'm trying to harness for myself and go, okay, how can I apply that to my life? That maybe he's teaching me something about where I need to go back to and reconnect with in order to get to the next level of my own quote unquote adulthood. What do you think? I like it. And, and here's the second part of the question, because now you and I are doing the same thing. And most people listening to this, they're, they're, they're thinking, OK, so how do I do this for my kid? How do I do this? And we're putting even more pressure on ourselves. And the whole show that we're talking about is how do we become happy? Yeah. And so how do we offer ourselves grace? Because let's say this. Let's say that all of us right now heard that point that you just made and fell in love with it and said, I do that sometime but a majority of the time i catch myself and 10 minutes later i go i just told him don't again i just told him don't again i just, how can we give ourselves grace in the transition of where we are in our lineage and say the buck stops here because because we say it all the time i want to be the generational shift i want to be the one that changes this this won't happen anymore in my dna but here's the deal it's a lot mm -hmm. and i think a big part of the you know the demise of happiness for all of us is we're waking up and realizing all these things we can change and saying, am I enough to do it? Can I do it? Am I a good dad to Jackson? Am I a good dad to Kayla? Like, Jesus, I'm a mess. Like, what is wrong with me? And that's where I think one of the things that, and I'll share something with you because I'll never forget this. One of the things that Jackson is going to see more than anything else is what he wants to emulate. He's going to see a dad and say, well, wow, I want him to be like that, dad. So if you're constantly saying, ah, oh, Jackson, I suck. I'm sorry. I just, my bad. He's going to be like, oh, I suck, dad. I was all right, yeah. you know. And I'll never forget one of the things that was interesting with um, my mom is she'd always make a point to buy me newest pants, make sure I was fed and do all these things. 
and not do things for herself. And she's thinking she's giving me this great life. And guess what I came with? I came out of that with a shitload of guilt and that you have to give so much of yourself and at a detriment to self. And then you're never energized. And who am I right now? I'm a person who's given so much and I'm now I'm learning to fill my own cup. So, yeah. So, so my, my suggestion and comment and, and interest in your thoughts on that is how do we give ourselves enough grace? How do we, if we want to make sure that child maintains curiosity, wonderment and imagination, how do we give them, you know, somebody to look at who's doing it and with the grace go, ha, Jackson, I did it again. Oh, I'm getting there though. I'm getting better. Sounds weird as shit, but man, that's a childlike, beautiful move that shows that kid how to be an adult who still embraces those qualities. How do we do that? And and it, it's, it's, it's hard. How do we do that? Like, what are some steps that we could take to get in that space? What you were talking about, Scott, is something that I've been thinking about all the time recently and thinking about what, like the other day I said, to, I said to Barb, literally, I said, you know, I said, I'm 53. I said, 20 years from now, I'll be 73. I consider 73 probably a realistic goal. Like as far as my age, you know, people in my family haven't lived to be 90. There's not a whole hell of a lot of that. And so in realizing that I sat there and I thought about all the different things I'm trying for right now, you know, writing the book, speaking, coaching, and all these different things, the radio shows, the shows, blah, blah, all these things in my brain is like, okay, I'm going to build this and do this. And I want to do stuff with schools. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm comparing myself to where I'm at now to where I want to be or where I think I should be and why, because I think when I have those things done, then I'll be happier or I'll be more accomplished or I'll feel this or that. So I've been thinking in my mind, what if I stop comparing myself to obviously the person I was in the past, but maybe stop comparing myself to the future aspect of myself. And just again, like I've said before, instead of thinking about the outcomes and the results, really just focusing on the moments and thinking and asking myself, what if for the next 20 years, I stay doing the same thing, but I'm happy in all the moments and I'm leaving a great legacy for my son. What if that's just it? Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that not only okay, is that great? So in that, in doing that, I'm already relieving myself of all the pressure and all the tension of thinking, you know me, no regrets, always hashtag no regrets, thinking like, okay, when I get to my 73rd birthday, am I going to look back and be like, oh man, I should have been here. I should have been doing this. Or am I going to look back and go, man, I was there for all those moments. I enjoyed those moments. I set the example for how to live life in those moments. And my son now has turned out awesome. He's not turned out like somebody who was going, okay, well, if I have this and I get this and then I'll do that, that, he's just seeing like just living life and being in those moments. So I think comparison, I think when we take comparison out of the equation and we sit there and we focus not on the outcomes and the results, I mean, we have to think about those things to provide for our families. But I think if we can just really get centered and present with that and understand and release the need to have all these other things in our life to make us feel better or make us reassured or significant or anything else like that. If we just let that stuff go, how amazing would life be right now? And that's the thing I'm really trying to wrap my head around. It's like in 20 years, you know, and, and, and I think about it even past that, like who's going to remember me, who's really going to remember me. My son's going to remember me. Maybe his kids might, I may be remembered for another 20, 40, 50 years. And then my son's going to go. And so it's like, really, I'm focusing on all this stuff. Like just be present right now and enjoy these moments right now. I think that's what we're put here to do. So for me, it's ending that comparison. What about you? What do you think? Man, it's on point. It's so on point. It's, it's something that we preach and, you know, even in coaching, you know, I'm telling people how to manifest and it's all of that. It's, you know, learn to be the, the, how will come. 
And then sometimes you're almost like, okay, am I feeding people a ton of bullshit or is this real? And I'm going to give you the reality of my life. So all I wanted to do my whole life was one more accomplishment, one more accomplishment. So you had to get your, you know, scholarship for undergrad, scholarship for grad school, get a certain GPA, get this certain job, you know, get this certain everything. And I was insanely successful getting those things consistently to a point of like, every time I'd hit a certain pinnacle or summit, I'd say, is this it? <laughs> and to your point where you get the book, let's say you sell 10,000 copies. Okay. So is this it? And, and, and you will get to that space if you haven't been the true Chris or the true Scott. And so one of the things that I, I really encourage people to do, and this is something that I've done, is I've sat there and I solidified the why, which I've said a million times. I'm here to empower those who are struggling and or lost hope, find their brilliance and share it with the world. So if in every conversation, every moment, you know, maybe many unseen, you know, you don't even ever need to know my name. If those are current are occurring in my interactions and I'm creating interactions, the success is guaranteed. The moment is all that matters and the how will show up. And I'll give you the examples. You know, we just talked about it before we started recording. You know, you're like, you know, do a coaching program this summer. Well, I should because there's people that need me, right? Well, I need me. My yeah. wife needs me. My daughter needs me. There's people that don't want Scott coach that want Scott. And so that's what I'm going to do. You know, can I go make some extra money? Could I slide it in? Could I do it remotely? Will it work? Somebody's going to say, yeah, but that should be a goal. If you're a speaker, F your goals, like F your goals. Goals are bullshit. And this is what I want people to start thinking. Your vision, your creation of what you want is what you have to look at. So you look into the future, you become it. And it's me just constantly connecting. So my present Scott is going to be the same there and the vehicles will show up. And here's what I've noticed when I've done that this past semester, I was teaching one class and I do need more money than just that. And two classes showed up out of nowhere and I got the money I needed. I just got this thing for the summer where I do literally no work, but I'm supporting the college and I get an extra 400 bucks here and there, you know, every two weeks, it's just extra cash just to pay some bills. Um, and then next semester I found out, Post COVID, the students that I teach from Denmark, I do a whole program of students that come over from Denmark. I was doing it every year. They're starting it up again. So the money I was worried about in the future. So everything, all the vehicles show up for me to share my brilliance every single time once I am being the Scott that I need to be. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I still get that tingly, oh shit, did I screw up? And I still kind of feel nervous. And then the universe goes, shut up, dude. Here's some kids from Denmark. Shut up, dude. Here's your committee for the, just, just go be. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, thank God. Cause I teach this shit. I want to make sure it's real. And here's the truth. We're all going to feel fear right at the, the doorway to your success. The doorway to your truth is going to be a big chunk of fear trying to say, don't go through the door. And that's just the last call before you fall into your brilliance. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's it. I mean, what do you think? I mean, does that make sense? It's it's playing out, so it's all real. 
Yeah, I mean it's it, it's relinquishing the control. I was just I was I was I was reading something yesterday in the the book that we're reading, the body keeps score, and it was talking about. It. I just saw the word control, and when you think about control and how much in our lives we strive to have control, we strive to have that safety and that that certainty because what maybe when our childhood we didn't have control, we didn't have certainty. You know, our parents were you know off the rocker sometime, which is the case of mine definitely. You know, so we just want that predictability. Like, and I told myself when I was homeless, I remember this. I said one day I just want to have a house that nobody can ever take away for me like that was like my once i have my fortress then the rest of the world can go to hell i'll figure it out but to your point scott it's just like having that faith and that understanding that we're in the flow and you would talk about it so so brilliantly when we talk about hanging onto the tree versus getting in the water and flowing with things that's where i'm at now i don't i haven't seen the validation yet i haven't seen the proof yet and normally my previous style of being who chris is based on the fact that i was homeless and everything else was all about predictability and certainty like okay as long as i have those things then i can go play but now i'm learning to play even without those things and knowing and and, and understanding that everything in my life has always shown up like you said everything has shown up at the right time when i was ready to leave a job way back in the early 90s like literally they were hounding me and all these other things i said i'm gonna go get another job and leave pull out the paper found the job at patty worked there for 26 years left patty doing this thing everything has showed up and i just have to trust that like in the book yeah the untethered soul by michael singer um he talks about the fact that you know he just said at one point he goes i'm just going to surrender to whatever shows up in my life and if that shows up and that's what i'm supposed to go do i'm going to go do it and he goes and does it and he goes all he does is thing, all these different things and throughout the book he's like i never wanted this to happen but now this has happened and this is what i'm doing with it and all those different things got him to the point where he circled back to be able to write the book to tell people that you just show up for your life and so he says you know these are all the different things i needed to go through to get to this point to do this so i think in the back of my brain like everything's going to show up perfectly whether it's speaking whether it's voiceover work and all of a sudden voiceover work has been popping up you know whether it's whatever it is i'm just excited for what's next like being a kid again i'm like excited like okay what's going to happen in september when i go to the next grade right and, and just really really trying to embrace that because in the grand scheme of things everything that i'm doing and everything i want to strive for doesn't matter at the end of the day unless unless i'm enjoying it because we always think we're going to get to that one point in our life that oh i'm going to i'm going to enjoy that i talk about it you know someday you know show me where someday is on a calendar i think one of the things that we could do with this conversation is just to inspire people just to stop where you're at and just think about you know number one what is it that you're tolerating right think about all the different things you're, i just went through this exercise with somebody the other day and they were blown away when they started writing on a list i gave them 15 minutes they wrote out and they're like oh my god chris i didn't realize how many different things i was tolerating i'm like yeah just imagine how you would feel how would you feel if you didn't tolerate a third of those things how much more time and energy and happiness and and da, da 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 and space for love and enjoyment would you have if you weren't overwhelmed with all these different things? So if you guys are feeling like you're overwhelmed at home, take a look at what you're doing. And you know, here's the thing, and I, I want to ask you this, this Scott, because I know you coach a lot of people. When I get to people and I'd sit there and I think like you can, you can, you can, you don't have to do all these things that you're tolerating, and they come back with, well, if I don't do it, no, it'll never get done. And then I always ask the question like, okay, so if you died tomorrow, what would happen? Would nobody make lunches anymore? Would nobody wash clothes anymore? No. Well, I see what you're saying. Okay. So how about delegating some of that stuff? How about, you know, pouring into yourself and having that self-love? Like you said, Scott, like I need, what about Scott? So what are your advice? What is your advice to get people to think at home about how they can stop tolerating so much stuff so that they have more opportunity for enjoyment and love and that they're not always looking and comparing themselves to either other people in their lives or their family members or expectations from whoever. And they're just actually just living and being in the moment. That's a, that's an amazing question that's been coming up in my own life in different ways. Um, I would say this, I would say most people are tolerating a lot because of things that they're doing and they're doing it 
because they don't want to sit alone in their own brain. So in other words, doing extra laundry, taking that extra job, signing the kids up for an event, you know, whatever it is. And you're like, I don't have any time to myself. What you're really saying is, thank God I don't have any time to myself because if I went upstairs in my own brain, I couldn't take it. So yeah, it's, it's a great point. My, my, and, and I think rightfully so. I think that this world right now is asking us to take a look at the darkness, take a look at the shadows, you know, hence everything we're talking about. And to find this happiness, the first thing we have to do is we've got to confront what's upstairs. So a lot of us are extra busy blaming the world that we don't have any free time. But meanwhile, going, oh, my God, thank God I don't have any free time because I, <laughs> I if I look in the mirror, I'm just going to shit myself. And that's literally I there's there's so many people I would love to bring into a coaching group or bring to a men's retreat. And, dude, I can't tell you how many people are like, I'm definitely going to go to men's retreat. I'm definitely going to go like this. And they're talking and I'm looking at them and I'll ask them a few questions about, you know, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing they're like, oh, shit, he's really going to he's really going <laughs> to take me there. I need to walk away from this. Uh -huh. And here's what I say to all of those people. The reason you're listening to this show right now is because the universe sent you here to think, what do I need to be happy? Do you want the first thing you need to be happy is to address the reasons that you're hiding from yourself? That would yeah. be the first thing. So to your point, the tolerations almost always self-created because you put one more thing on your list so that you can say, it's not my problem, it's everybody else's problem, instead of saying, what's my contribution to this? And I'll be honest with you, I've been going through some of these things even with Kim and I, because as we take things off our plate, you've been together for 27 years, she's like, well, I do this and this and this and this. I'm like, I didn't ask you to do that. I just right. wanted this. And then she's like, well, I just wanted this. I'm like, so what do we do? I have to give you that because you said that's paramount to us and you have to give me this. Well, you don't have to do anything. But if we're really trying to elevate one another, this is what we do. So here's what's going to happen. You stop tolerating, you remove shit. And then all of a sudden it's like this, you know, let's say who, whoever you are in your relationship where there's this big wall and suddenly you're looking eye to eye and go, hello. <laughs> and then you're like, you have to actually come to grips with yourself right. and those relationships around you and say, is this everything that is really elevating us or are we in a survival space in much of this and we're full of shit? And so one of the things we can do to start really addressing happiness is first and foremost, like we said, we focus on those things that bring you joy, but you've got to figure out what you don't tolerate. I mean, what you're not willing to tolerate and you've got to start breaking down the noise that is self-created so you don't look closely at yourself. Ooh. Even saying yeah. that sounds scary. Mic drop. Boom. Mic drop. It sounds scary. I mean, when you were talking, Scott, I, the thing that came up to my mind was fear. Oh, that sounds scary. That sounds scary. I mean, I know people who personally, like they're so busy that they, like you said, they don't have time to think about their own lives, but think about this. If we're not making time to examine our own lives, then whose life are we really living anyway? Or are we just existing in there again, playing that someday game? Oh, when the kids do this and when the, this, the, the, the then I'll be happy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your time to be happy is right now. It doesn't have to be anywhere in the distant. It's just about deciding, does this bring me joy? Yes or no. I mean, obviously we have responsibilities and everything, but to your point, Scott, you know, I was thinking that for people that like, that sounds, that sounds scary. That sounds unfamiliar. That sounds uncertain. At least, you know, I'm not really happy in my marriage. I'm not really happy in my life. I'm not really happy in my job, but it's, but it's, it's comfortable. It's just enough. How do we get people to realize that it's more than just being enough? It's about having better and, and deserving more, right? I think so many people are just like, well, I just, I, I guess I've done, I've done well enough in my life. So okay is good enough. And I ask people like, when did it become acceptable to be, to be average? 
And yeah. they're like, oh, 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 I didn't. It's not acceptable. So, okay, if it's not acceptable, then what are you going to do to change it? Yeah, and, I, and then, so I, I'm going to say this as, as nicely as possible. I think religion and a lot of spiritual mindsets has been the problem here. And because it's very easy for me to say, I'm going to go through the motions and follow the rules because tomorrow I'll have a nirvana, heaven or whatever. And so what we do is we literally live a, I mean, I'll tolerate anything existence in less than survivor mode, hanging on by a thread survivor mode with zero thriving. And here's the world we've created because of that. So what I would suggest to people to do is not to quit your religion, re-examine what the, the words really meant. You know, if, if, if Jesus is saying something or Gandhi saying something or Joseph Smith, whoever's saying something, if they're saying something, are they really saying that tomorrow is everything? Because there's nothing anywhere when we really look at truth that talks about tomorrow or yesterday. If we're really looking at everything and reading between the lines, metaphorically or not, it's the present moment. So if I'm thinking heaven, okay, and Jesus is talking about heaven, what if it's really just within me in this present moment? And you start reading deeply into things. I'm not going to go sit here and find Bible verses or, you know, the quotes from Gandhi or whatever. But what Gandhi says, be the change. Like the point is become what you need to be in this moment. Look at yourself. Realize that you are a creator, co-creator in this existence. Your imagination is source and do something with it. And so the funny thing about do something with it literally is this. Be you, have a clear conduit to source, whether it's God, creator, universe, and allow God, creator, universe to hand you the how, the vehicles, which is what I'm doing. The classes will show up, the opportunity in the summer, um, the students from Denmark. It's just going to keep showing up because it does. And the tiny piece of advice I'll give you here, and I wish I had a better way to phrase this, once you fully embody the belief that you are creator, and when I say embody it, I'm not even flawlessly there yet. Chris and I just spoke about it, that, that fear. I still feel the fear tingling. I've opened the door. I've seen the truth. I'm, I'm reaping benefits from the truth. And then I shut it and I'm like, I'm going to stand here for a minute because I'm not afraid or anything, but no, no, I'm not afraid. I'm still semi full of shit. I've embodied it. Right. But I don't leave that door wide open, that conduit to source. I, I say, I see you. I trust you. But just give me a few more minutes. I look forward to leaning in fully and opening that door and never closing it again, knowing that I can exist in both spaces. And, you know, to your point, Chris, you're saying you're not seeing all the benefits yet. We both know we don't know what the benefits are. So you might be. But I would just keep leaning into that embodiment. And I'm speaking to you, to me and to right. everyone listening. I don't know what the embodiment looks like for you. I, I wish I had a really great way to do this. I've got some thoughts and ideas, you know, things that I do, but meditate your way into it. Just say, I truly believe it. I truly want it. Find that door in your own meditation and open it, open it and be willing to go through it and leave that door open. Don't peek in and come back out because it's like seeing the treasure, but you never actually explore it, like get into it, feel it, touch it. It's there. So yes 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 i love that scott i mean just embracing i mean the door analogy is so great because i can sit there and see myself like i'm in the i'm in the door i've still got a hold of the door in case i need to go back out and slam that <laughs> yeah. fucker but at the same time i'm feeling the wind on my face i'm feeling i'm like all right this is what it's about this is what it's about and to your point scott we had johanna on here not too long ago and we were talking about manifesting we were talking about you know i think back to when people told you know um uh 
just drawing his blank. Um, who's the fucking guy that created Disneyland? Walt Disney. <laughs> Walt Disney. I mean, I was trying to figure out his first name. You know, when somebody sat there and said, you know, somebody said, you know, um, how did you come up with Disneyland? He goes, he goes, he goes, it's been in here this whole time. You know, it's yeah. been in here. So I think, I think to the point is if we really want to embrace that manifestation, we really want to embrace that our dreams will become our reality. We have to focus on that more. And I know even for myself, like when I wake up in the morning, you know, I do my gratitude list and I do my intention list. And now something else I've been doing about is trying to be more and more uh, uh, consistent with it is seeing myself in the places that I want to see myself, seeing my family in the places I want to see them. So forwarding, you know, in my brain, like, okay, I can see these things and happening and seeing myself appreciate them and deserving of them, you know, at the same time, but also being open to whatever's next. Like I never thought about voiceover work, but I've had two or three different people in the last two months, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing this voiceover thing. You want to check it out? I'm like, if that's the next thing, then that's the next thing, whatever it may be. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the time is going to go by anyway, and it's up to us. It's our own responsibility each every moment to sit there and say, you know, what can I do to be more present in the moment? What can I do to be more intentional about the things that I truly want to attract in my life? And, and more over to that part, and we can have another show on this. What do I, like we said, the tolerations, what people in my life do I need to wish well in order to make that happen? Because so many other people are going to try to keep us safe and keep us complacent because it's good for them. Once they start seeing us do that, then we have to make those tough decisions, which you and I have talked about in our in our in our private our previous you know um intimate relationships with girlfriends and whatnot you know sometimes we've outgrown those people and there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's if that person wants to stay where they're at and they're happy with that and they're being in the moments like we were talking about before then good on them but if we're going to continue to ascend and and to be able to really release a lot of the egoic bullshit and all the you know the, the everything else that's going on in the world today if we're, we're able to release that and we can get around people that that really embrace that what more do we need that's the way I look at it is like, once I have, once I have the basics, my family's healthy, I got a roof over my head, I got food in my stomach. You know, if I can't be happy with the things I have right now, what's, what's to say that I'm gonna be happier with more shit. And that's what Jimmy Dennis was saying the same thing. He was saying that, you know, all his dreams, people come up, go, bro, you just got out of prison. I don't know if you think you can do that. And like, he, he's like done. I'm not going to, you're, you're out of my ear. And I'm yeah. sure those are family members and good friends who mean well, but his, his lack of success or his whatever allows them to feel more fulfilled because they can say, well, I'll take care of Jimmy or, or I'm still his uncle or I'm still whatever, whatever. So there's a hierarchy and he's about to blow it out of the water and change the dynamic of that family. He's doing it, not about to, he's doing it. Yeah. And so that must be scary as shit. You know, it's like, wait a minute, like, how is he doing this or whatever? Those people are there for those moments and, and maybe they're still in your life, but they're not your support system. They're just not. And that's that true. doesn't doesn't feel good sometimes, but not everything feels good in the growth journey. Ultimately, it will, you know. Mm -hmm. That was one of the questions that I had for you, Scott. Is it is it realistic to want to be happy all the time? That is a very, very, very good question. Um, so think of it in the shower. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great question. And and my initial answer would be no would be my initial thought. And then we have to define anything that's polarity. If you ask to be one thing, then asking for that in the human experience, experience defines the idea of duality polarity, because if I'm going to have happiness and sadness, you know, dark and light, whatever, if I have that in this existence, then happiness all the time would become a void because I wouldn't understand the opposite. So I would say no. And you had a great comment in the beginning is you were saying, you know, some, you know, you don't get this like, like, oh my God, I'm so happy. But you're like, I like this. And and a lot of us expect, okay, here I am at Disney World or here I am with friends. And you're supposed to do like jumping jacks. 
don't deny the way you're processing because sometimes the people have more polar, you know, receive the world more in a polar way. Yeah. They have to come down from that. So if you walk into Disney World and go, this is nice to see Jackson happy, you don't need to do backflips. If that feels good, think of this. When you go home that night and you look at the bill of everything you just paid for and your back hurts, maybe that won't be quite as much of a low because you don't have to come down from this high. That's true. So my answer to that would be don't judge yourself and how you perceive that. And I almost think, and this is somebody who lived a very polar existence early on, I would have the highest highs and create the lowest lows. I like to walk into a restaurant and go, this is a really nice meal. I'm glad to be with you guys. And then the hangover doesn't hurt the next morning, more, you know, the next morning because <laughs> I only had three glasses of wine and stayed very even keel. So the answer to that question is you can want what you want, but I would be scared. I would be cautious in overdoing any one thing yeah. because there's an equal opposite. Mm, I would agree with that. And that's why, that's why I wanted to ask the question because I was sitting there thinking about it in the shower and I'm like, you know what? We need that. We need that opportunity to be down. We need that opportunity to have, like you said, the polarity, because that's when we sit there and go into our evaluation mode and start really considering like, does this, is this what are, is this what I'm about now? You know, I was just talking about it the other day, our identity and the fact that what would it feel like if we no longer had to have an identity? Like I'm just Chris, I'm just Scott. I'm just Tara. I'm just Linda. I'm just, and I don't have to assign myself to, oh, I'm a speaker, I'm a podcast host, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a dad, I'm just, I'm Chris, I'm here, I'm just having a good time, I'm just, I'm who I am, and I'm who I am in this moment, I may be a different person tomorrow, and that's okay, you know, that's that's the ebb and flow of life, but I've talked to so many people that, and you have too, I mean, you've got a lot of, of, of wealthy friends, they get to the point where they have everything they want, and what happens? Are they happy? No, they miss the grind. They miss the opportunity. They miss what we're here for. We're here to have those low opportunities and to grind and to figure out what it is that makes us happy. Once we have everything, what are we going to do? We're like, okay, now I have everything. And it's going to be good for two weeks, but then what happens? We have to create that strife. We have to create that, that polarity to be able to enjoy that stuff. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. And I think that's the thing, the message for people at home and, and watching this and listening to this guys, you know, it is possible to release and let go of a lot of the preconceived bullshit that was into your body and into your brain from all the adults and the caretakers in your life to really just set back and ask myself, what is it that I can do to bring myself joy in this moment? What can I do to, to, to love myself a little bit more? How can I take better care of myself? Because that is what we talked about in this show so many times, Scott, I know you know this, is the fact that when we just take care of ourselves, we hydrate ourselves, we have a decent meal, we get some good sleep, we get a little bit of exercise every day, we watch something funny, we listen to some music, we look at our gratitudes. Life becomes so much more possible when we're, when we're going from a foundation of self-love and, and taking care of ourselves and seeing the opportunities that we have in our life. So for me, this conversation tonight has been massive because it just reminds me again to be still in the moments, to trust that everything is happening for the greater good of my journey and my existence, and to set the example of what I do and why I do it, not versus how I do it for Jackson and to be there in those moments for him. I like that a lot. And I, I'm, I want to share one thing that I was just thinking of, and I, I'm going to ask everybody and see if they would like us to do a follow-up show on this. Can we create heaven on earth? Is there an actual heaven? And if there is, what would that look like with zero polarity? Because I do believe, like I said, we've got source creator, God, you know, oneness of all of us in a timeless space that doesn't have space and time that, uh, you know, we see and experience now. So if that's the case, if there's zero polarity, wouldn't you be in a space where you're like, 
is this it? Because we see that play out once we get, once we maximize anything here, whether it's too much money, too much anything. Once we're the, the, you know, the top dog in anything, it's not fun anymore. Even like sports, like if you're the best athlete in your neighborhood, you got to go to the other neighborhood. If you're the best athlete, <laughs> you got to go to it because it's not fun anymore. Right. And so I'll, I'll share one thing that um, I used to have a dream that used to wake me up every night. And I used to wake up crying between probably like, I don't know, two and five, but I remember this dream vividly. Maybe I was even older at some point. Maybe it still kept happening. I would, first and foremost, I think I was really like levitating. You know what I mean? I felt like those out-of-body experiences and I could like, I'd be laying on my back and I don't sleep my back anymore. I wonder if it's because of this. Hmm. I'd lay on my back and I'd start floating and I'd be able to float through the roof. And then I'd always feel like if it was cold, warm out, whatever, I'd love the the feeling of the temperature. And I'd look, if it was snow and rain, it didn't matter. I was like, ah, and I'd float and I'd float and I'd float. And I'd feel so good until I hit a point and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. And then I realized I was going to be floating on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And regardless of the feeling, no matter how good it felt, I realized that this was going to be it. So there was no contrast and I would wake up losing my shit. So I would run around, like bang my head on the wall, eat something, do anything just to have some experience to go. And, and I lost my shit. And so I've asked myself since, since then, or since once I could process what that might've meant is, am I having a recollection of source? And the reason we've created this is for that polarity, because that dream, AKA nightmare memory is why we're here. And yeah. so I was literally seeing a prelude to this movie that in reality, there's a consciousness saying, I need to feel. And we're the byproduct of that feeling. And so why are we working 50 years retiring? Fucking feel, feel happy, feel sad, feel. And I think that's it. But if you guys would like to have a show on, is there a heaven? What would that look like? Could we build that on earth? Do we even want that? That might be a fun discussion we can get everybody involved in. That's that's a great way to end the show, brother. I love that. You know, it's so true. You know, being careful. I mean, that's the, that's the thing I think about it in terms of when I've had it explained to me about spirituality and how we're, you know, we make our soul contract is that we come here for these opportunities to have emotions, to feel, to, to incorporate all that because in heaven or where you are on the other side, there is none of that. So we come here to have these experiences like, man, I want to feel emotion. I want to get excited. I want to, you know, up there, everything's like all perfect and, you know, rays and sunshine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But here, you know, here we signed up for this stuff. We asked to come here and have these experiences. We asked to have our parents be the parents that we wanted because we had to go through those experiences. There was something else that we needed to learn. So when we look at that and we look at that, the, 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 the opportunities in that, then it releases a lot of that fear in my book. It's like, Hey, you know, I came here and I asked for this. So let's, let's buck up and see what we got out of it. And, and to continue to do our best and continue to have that trust and that faith that it's happening for us. And then on the other side of whatever challenge this is happening right now, there may be some sort of reward. There may be some sort of bonus. Like, Hey, you did it. You know, it's like the gamification. We talked about it before the gamification of life, you know, get to the next level, ring the bell. Yeah. If we see it here, it was built before. So when you see video games being created and you see, you know, all this stuff created, it's in the image of. So if we're being if we're playing games here, there's games played beyond, no question. And this game is probably exactly that. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's another episode of the Unfiltered Experience. By the way, guys, we're going to be back here next week, Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just put a post in the book in the Facebook group asking you guys, again, to Scott's point, what is it that you want us to talk about? This show is for you. We're having these unfiltered conversations, whether it's just Scott and, I'm, and myself or with a guest to, to bring light and opportunity for it. So let us know what t- kind of topics that you want. Uh, go to the www.theunfilteredexperience.com www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Go there, join our Facebook community. Let us know what it is that you want to see. If you have an idea for guests, you've heard another guest on a podcast, you you know an expert that can come in here and talk about some of the stuff that we're talking about, send either Scott or myself a direct message with the person's uh, social information and we'll reach out to them and then we'll have them as a guest on here because this is your show. This is Scott and I bringing this every single week. We do this so we can have this global community conversation about how we can all continue to raise our awareness, raise our vibrations and to continue to rock and roll and have a great life. So we appreciate you guys for being here and we will see you next time on the unfiltered experience. Love you people. Go out there and be (laughs) kick-ass and classy. Go out there and be unfiltered.